we're uh, continuing our series called Living Regret Free. And the question we posed last week is, can you actually live your life without regret? We've all, we all have regrets. If I started over here and I worked my way down uh, and back and forth, uh, you could all tell me about uh, a car you wished you hadn't leased, a house you wish you hadn't bought, uh, a, a woman or a man maybe you wish you hadn't married, uh, you know, a, a date you wish you never went on, a party you wish you never went to, a business meeting you wish you never attended, a business you wish you never started. We all have these things in our life that are regretful to us. And the question really is, can we from this point on live a life that's free from regret? I'd submit to you that the scriptures instruct us that we can. And that's what this series is all about. And so we talked about the idea that culture has a current. Culture has a flow. And if we pick our feet up and we let the the, the flow of culture, the current of culture carry us, we're going to end up at a place we wish we weren't. We're going to end up with regret. And so we were talking about last week different ways to approach life so that we don't just allow culture to just carry us along. Because if we do relationships the way culture tells us to do relationships, we're going to end up in destruction. If we do our finances the way culture tells us to do finances, we're going to end up in, in destruction, right? And so how do we stop flowing down that current of culture and end up in regret? And the first thing we talked about was don't follow your heart. Culture says just do, oh, just follow your heart. You have to just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Jeremiah, it's up here on the, on the uh, thing here. It says Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? If you go back to your time of regret, it probably had something to do with following your heart. Oh, but he's so cute. Oh, but it has granite countertops. There's only four left. I have to act now. If I'm one of the first three callers, I get a special prize. Zero percent financing, right? Our heart brings us into these things. And so if we look back and we say, man, following your heart can be dangerous. It says the heart is deceitful above all things. Why? We fool ourselves. And what do we do when we look back? We say, how could I have been so stupid, right? Or if if stupid's a bad word in your house, stupid, right? You just, (laughs) how could I have done that? And then we look at other people and we say, what are you doing? It's so obvious because they're following their heart and their heart is deceitful and they've been deceiving themselves. And so that's what we talked about uh, last week. We talked about this current of culture, and we talked about um, the idea that we can ask ourselves a question. What is the wise thing to do? In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but here's God's new standard, but as wise and so all last week we kept asking ourselves the question and hopefully you guys did too during the week 
what is the wise thing to do? It cuts through all the garbage. It cuts through all the barriers that our heart, our heart puts up, all the shadows our heart covers up. Because we talked about when you're trying to make a decision and you know it's not really the wise thing to do, but you want to do it anyway and you're talking to your friends and you start holding back information. Like, you know, you're dating someone and you know your friend's going to ask, well, are they a believer? I mean, are they, you know, and so you're just like, oh man, you know, uh, and they're so nice and everything and, and you know, and, and they make a lot of money and they're really respectful and, you know, it's the nicest person I've ever met. And your friend says, well, are they a believer? Well, okay, so here's the thing. So they're searching and they're, uh, you know, and you, you, you try to hold back information. What is the wise thing to do cuts through that. It doesn't ask how far is too far. It doesn't ask how close can I get without getting burned? How much can I risk? without losing it all it doesn't ask that question how far uh, uh, what is <laughs> oops what is the wise thing to do cuts through all that and we've talked about last week you probably already know the answer when you ask yourself that question and we don't like asking ourselves that question because it goes against our heart so what i want to talk about this morning is if you're not asking yourself that question the bible actually talks quite a bit about you See, if, if, if the standard is, <clears throat> excuse me, if the standard is what's the wise thing to do, if that's God's standard for our lives, not to be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, if that's the new standard, certainly God's spoken about it, right? I mean, he's not going to say live as wise and figure out what that is. No, he speaks quite a bit about it. And one of the books that God speaks the most about this topic is the book of Proverbs, Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon who was the wisest man to ever live. And he writes this book to his sons almost pleading them, do not make these unwise choices. Let me write down all the things I've observed as the wisest man in the world and let me beg you, plead with you not to make mistakes, to live regret-free. That's what Proverbs is all about. The book of Proverbs is about how to live regret-free. And so if you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know what? I mean, a lot of times we have about three responses and they're represented by three chairs here. You know, some of you are going, dude, settle down. What's the big deal? One day at a time, bro. Don't worry about it. It'll all work out. I don't know. Why make such a big deal about this? That's the naive See, they have a little chair like this. It's a little kid's chair. You sit in the naive chair. You don't understand. You haven't lived life, right? You're naive. And the book of Proverbs talks quite a bit about you. Then some of you are like, yeah, I know all that, dude, but come on. Life is meant to be lived. Uh, there might be consequences, but I'll deal with them when I have to deal with them. That's the fool. I, I, we had this really cool fool's chair ordered. It was lime green and it was inflatable and it had uh, cup holders on either side, but it didn't come in time. So I have a cooler and you can, you can use your imagination to what it's filled with, but uh, it's, it's, uh, this is the fool. He, he's just out for himself. He loves to party, whatever. You know, the consequences, I'll deal with them when they come. I know there's consequences, but I'll deal with them when they come. And then there's, there might be some of you, I don't know everybody in here, but there might be some of you who are sitting in this chair. This is supposed to be a throne. It was the best we could come up with. Thank, thankfully, no one in the church had a throne. You know what? <laughs> you know, yeah, it, I asked around, I was so disappointed that nobody had a throne, and then I thought, no, that's probably a good thing. So we have somebody's dining room chair that we put purple on, okay? But this is the scoffer. 
or sometimes the Bible calls him the mocker. Uh, and this guy, if you're in here, you're going, dude, shut up. I don't need your Bible. I don't need your religious crutch. In your heart, you think I'm stupid. You think, why in the world? I don't need to believe that. Science has already disproven your Bible over and over again. Right? That's the scoffer. That's the mocker. You roll your eyes. When we get done, you're going to preach everybody in your car a little sermon on the way home. One you've rehearsed in your mind over and over again. So we're going to talk about all three of these, and then I'm going to ask you, where do you sit? Now, maybe you don't sit in any of these, but here's the thing. What I've discovered in my own life is that I've sat in every one of these chairs, and I have a propensity to sit down in any one of these chairs at any time. And so I want to look in the scriptures and see how do I stay standing and not get comfortable in any one of these chairs, okay? So this one, we got the naive, the fool, and the scoffer. Let's talk about the naive a little bit. The the book of Proverbs talks about the naive, okay? Now here's the thing. You have to understand, I'm going to call some of you naive this morning, and you've got to understand it's not an insult, See, in our current of culture, to be called naive is a put-down. But that's not it. The naive just lacks experience. They've not seen anything different. So, again, I apologize for coming after you guys, but if you're in junior high, if you're in high school, if you're a freshman, sophomore in college, you're naive. Okay, don't get mad at me. Don't throw tomatoes at me. Don't do anything. You're naive. You haven't seen anything. Did someone just throw something at me? Okay, you haven't seen anything different. And so you'll say things like, what's the big deal? I don't understand. I I haven't ever seen that happen. You're making too big a deal out of it. I, I can wear this. Right? These are the things that come out of someone who's naive. It's what comes out of their mouth. It's no big deal. Listen, I've sat in this chair. I, I, I'm, I'm still somewhat sitting in this chair. When I first became a pastor, I'd never pastored a church. When I took the job, I sat down in the naive chair. I was naive when I first came. I'm probably still naive. But why? Because I'm a jerk? Well, maybe. But because I didn't have any experience. I lacked experience. And so when, when you, you might, newlyweds, you're naive, okay? You have your first baby, you're naive. You don't, it's not a put down. It's, not, it's, just, it's just a state of being. I mean, when, when Lisa and I first got married, we wouldn't have any of the problems you guys have. We're in love. There won't be any arguments, We are above all you guys. We understand. Our love runs deep. Your love is shallow and superficial. Our love, can no one can touch it. It's right. We were naive, okay? Okay, you you, you start dating for the first time, you're naive. You move from Podunk, Iowa, and you got like 50 people in your town, and you move to L.A., you come here naive. Right? You got all your doors unlocked and everything. Yeah, I don't lock the car, you know, whatever. You're naive, okay? So it's not, it's not, don't get upset. But here's the thing. The Bible talks about us when we sit in this chair. And so we've got to kind of get some clue as to how do we get up out of it? And what's the danger of sitting in it? 
Because sometimes it's just like, yeah, I like being naive. It's fine. You, don't, you won't want to like being naive. I want to read to you a little bit in Proverbs chapter 7, okay? And it starts in verse 6. I'm going to turn to it right now. Proverbs chapter 7, starting in verse 6. So here's what's happening. There's a super wise guy, Solomon, right? And he's, he's at his house, and he's looking out through the lattice of his house, okay? And he looks, and he sees somebody naive. Here's what it says. It says, I saw among the simple, okay, that's another word for naive, so don't, the guy wasn't like, okay, he just lacked experience. He'd never seen anything else. He lacks judgment, okay? So I saw among the simple, I noticed the young men, a youth who lacked judgment, he was going down the street near her corner. Who's her? Ooh, we're going to find out about her. She's nasty, okay? Walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. So here's the situation. The wise person knows it's getting dark and he's going towards this lady's house that everybody knows is trouble. And the wise guy's going, dude, what are you doing? And he's walking along going, this is going to be awesome. Her husband's not home. If it's consensual, it must be okay. Why? Because I've never seen anything different. And this wise person's looking. And then it gets all X-rated after that. Uh, and you can read that uh, in the privacy of your own home. Uh, and that goes on until about verse uh, uh, 20. Okay, so you can, you can read all. You guys are going to be all like, wow, I, oh man, how x-rated does it get? Why? Because you're naive. No, okay, no. All right, so, <clears throat> so, here, so here's the thing. So, so this guy ends up uh, shacking up with this, with this lady and everything's going to be great because they're consensual and she's hot or whatever and he's young and this is just going to be awesome because he's never seen anything different. And we see this over and over and over again. And the parents are like going, yeah, you preach it, brother. Oh, wait till I get to you guys. Yeah, we're going off on the youngins right now, but we're going to get to us in a little bit. And that's why, that's why you see it all along. You see uh, high schoolers and junior hires, they just think smoking is cool. Like when you see, I love to watch. Here, I brought a little smoker. This is a pen that I made into a cigarette. Uh, I love to watch young kids. Well, I don't love to watch them smoke, that, but... I just love to watch how cool they think they are. Because, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a young smoker, but this is what they do. They go like, <laughs> right? They get that, like, because the, uh, the smoke gets in their eyes. They just... <laughs> <laughs> then they, it's like a big deal to get it down in there. And then... Now, let me ask you a question. When in life, if you don't have a cigarette, does that face ever look cool <laughs> right like when like when do you like walk up to someone and you're just like how's it going you know like if you walk up to me and your face dude i'm like did your back go out what happened are you okay can i get you an advil what's going on but for some reason because you've never seen any different or when you breathe out why does it why is it out? I mean, when do you see, do you see a guy, he finishes the hundred yard dash and he's like, <gasps> <gasps> right? It, 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 you look so foolish. I'm sorry. 
But see, here's the thing. You've never felt anything different. You've never seen anything different. And adults right now who smoke, who are trying to get over it are like, dude, I wish I could, right? Because it's a trap. You've never like been started to cough and have coughed up. Like it sounds like you're gargling on jello. It's just nasty. You've never just not been able to stop coughing. You've never like walked up a flight of steps and had to grab onto your knees because all the cilia in your lungs are all burned out and you're all, all gross and you're like, <gasps> right? You've never experienced that. You've never experienced your teeth being all brown and crooked. It looks like they've been replaced with golden grams. It's like you've never had that feeling. All you have is this. I'm a bad boy. I'm a bad girl. Yeah, I don't care what my parents say, right? Because you've never experienced that. Sex is like, what's the big deal? Everybody's doing that. I see it on every movie. I said, well, why? Because you've never contracted a venereal disease or carried that sexual relationship into a relationship that you wish with all your heart you'd remained pure for. You've never had to start a relationship with a lie so that that person that, you, that really is worthwhile doesn't know about your past. You've never had to do that. And so you say, why? It's okay. You're naive. But here's the problem. Proverbs goes on and talks about you if you're naive. And here's what it says. After, well, first of all, always hold your Bible right side up, okay? That's, that's the first thing you'll learn, okay? Always hold your Bible right side up for those of you who want to go into full-time ministry, okay? Here's what happens in Proverbs chapter 7. Now listen to this. It's very important. All at once he followed her, listen, like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. Little knowing, listen, this is so important, guys. And you're naive, so you'll just, you won't even understand it. You'll go, what's the big deal? But listen to me, because there's a lot of people in this audience right now that are going, yeah. I've seen it, I've lived it. Listen, little knowing it will cost him his life. And when you're naive and you stay in this chair and you refuse to listen to people older than you, maybe who've made the same mistakes, and that's the problem, because the naive goes, what do you know? Your life is a wreck. That's what they know. (laughs) Their life is a wreck. And they're begging for you to get up out of that chair because they know that it'll cost you physically, it'll cost you spiritually, it'll cost you emotionally. And for every one of us who's been sitting in this chair and we didn't get up in time, we know exactly what this scripture is talking about. It's a life of regret. And here's the great thing. This is the encouraging thing. Because you didn't choose to get in this chair You didn't decide one day, you know what, I'm just going to be naive. See, once you realize I'm naive, that's when you begin to get up. Once you realize, listen, I might not know it all, guess what? You're getting your butt out of the chair. It's fantastic. And here's the thing, when you do that, your heavenly Father will navigate you through the decisions in life to preserve you. He says, listen, and and here's how you have to do it. Here's exactly how you have to do it. You have to go like this. I don't understand. I don't even agree. But because my heavenly father says it, I'm going to obey. And when everybody else sits down, I'll be the one standing up. When everybody says, oh, what is you? You're so old-fashioned. I'll be the one old-fashioned. And you will be the one preserved. 
so that when you get into that marriage, when you get into that first job, when you get into that stuff, you won't look back and say, I wish, I wish, I wish I'd never. And here's what'll happen, because this is the beauty of it. If you get out of that chair, what happens is you begin to gain experience and you begin to realize this is true. I've saved myself from so much. And when you get into sophomore, junior year in college, senior year in college, and you begin to enter in the world, you begin to devour this word because you say, what else can it save me from? That's what getting up out of this chair is all about. It's vitally important. And for those of you who are in this chair now, maybe in a new job or whatever, you say, look, I don't understand. And you got to surround yourself with people who know. I was so blessed to have people around me when I first became a pastor, people who loved me to go, dude, you don't know Jack. <laughs> Let us help you. And they were so good to help me along. And they're still helping me now. And then after a while, then I get to help somebody. So that's the naive. The next is the fool. And I won't spend so much time on the fool uh, because quite frankly, you don't care. <laughs> so why waste a bunch of time on you, right? Okay. The fool, you can try to warn them. You can try to tell them. You can try to do everything, but they just don't care. This one's clueless. This one could care less, right? I know smoking's gonna, I know my teeth will get all jacked up. I know, dude, I'll worry about that when the time comes. Heaven can't hold me and hell is afraid I'm gonna take over, right? That guy, <laughs> right? That girl, right? Everything's a party. Monday night is bowling night. Tuesday night's out with the boys, okay? Wednesday night's softball league. Thursday night, well, that's my time, okay? And then Friday night, you know, and you get the family suffering, everybody suffering, but you know what? It's just life is meant to be lived to the fullest, and when the consequences come, I'll, I'll deal with it when it comes, okay? I know that th that's the thing about the fool. The fool kind of knows, that their life is destructive. But you know what? There's always time. I can always quit. I can always stop. I can always change. That's the fool. It says in Proverbs here, uh, and I think we have it put up there, Proverbs 10, 23. Doing wrong is fun. Yeah, that's it. Doing wrong is fun for the fool. The fool loves it. It's dangerous. It's fun. It's, you know, there's a little bit of pleasure in whatever it is that the fool decides to do. And I've sat in this chair, <laughs> believe me. I've sat in, the, sat in this chair, I've sat in this chair, I've sat in this chair. And I've got a tendency to sit in one of these chairs. But when I was in high school, I cared so much about what people thought about me. I, I mean, I cared so much about what people thought about me. So I'd make up stories. Did I ever tell you this, Audrey? Oh, okay, yeah. She's like, I wish you weren't my dad right now. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I used to make up stories, stories about being in fights, stories about, I mean, it's incredibly embarrassing now at 42 to think about uh, what, an, what a fool I was. But, but in order to gain acceptance from the people around me, I would craft stories to make myself look better. Or I'd take a story of my own life and I'd embellish it just a little bit to make myself look cooler. I was being foolish, Right? And I do it over and over again. And here's the thing, what the Bible says about the fool, there's, uh, there's a couple things, three things that we're going to talk about this morning, but a couple things. One thing is, you just keep doing it. Like, no matter how foolish it is, you don't just do it once, you keep doing it. The Bible says it this way. This is kind of a disgusting analogy. But it says, 
As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. And we've seen it all before. You know, we see someone, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And for those of you who are wise, who are asking yourself, what is the wise thing to do? For those of you, you, you're going, what? What? (laughs) Guys, an idiot. Because you can see it. And so what what the Spirit of God does in this verse, and I was talking to Nate, who uh, runs our college group. He had a great point about this verse. God has to, have you ever seen a dog eat its own puke? Yeah, you guys are like, why did I come to church this morning? This is so disgusting. (laughs) Have you ever seen it? And what do you do? I have a face that my wife makes fun of me all the time. It's this face. Mm. Oh, it's just, is that my face? That's my face. That's my daughter. Yeah. And and so like, if if I see a dog return, I go, oh, oh, nasty. If I see a plate of old food, I look at it. Oh, right? Okay. So what happens is God takes this example that we would go, oh, gosh, dude, why did you put that in the Bible? And he says, you know what? That's what I do when I see you act like a fool. My face goes, oh, dude, come on. Get some clothes on. Get, what are you doing there? Get a hold of yourself. That's what happens to the Lord. He sees you going back and doing it again and again. He's like, oh, that's, come on. That's disgusting. That's the example he uses. He uses the example of a dog so that we can see how he responds to us being fools. Every time I crafted a story, every time I did, the Lord went, no, dude, come on. What are you doing? So if the cure for the naive is to go, look, I might not understand, but I'm going to trust you anyway, and I'm going to obey. You know what the Bible says the cure uh, for the fool is? Blows to the back. That's That's what Proverbs says is the, the, uh, what you get for the fool. For him to get up out of his chair, he needs to be whacked again and again and again until he feels the full consequences of his actions. That's what the scriptures say. And so if you're sitting in this chair and you say, well, I can get up any time, you cannot get up any time. Only by the grace of God. Can you get up out of this chair? And if you choose to sit here, what will happen is the drinking, the carousing, all, will all of a sudden have, you will feel the full weight of the consequences and then you'll get up. But here's the problem. And the fool goes, well then fine. So I get the consequences and I get out of the chair. What's the problem? The problem is found in Proverbs again. It says a companion of fool suffers harm. And so if it's not just you, I mean, I've seen it over and over again as a pastor. Guy comes into church, gets broken. He's like, man, I've been acting like a fool, right? He's crying and everything. But the damage that he's done to those around him, to his kids, to his wife, to her husband, to her kids, the damage that she's done, just says there's a wake of destruction that follows behind the fool. Why? Because they don't care. And so if you're being a fool right now with your lifestyle and you're just saying, yeah, someday I'll pay for it, but what's the big deal? I beg you, get up because there's people around you. And some of you have have worked for a fool and you've watched the entire company go down the tubes. You've spent 20 years in there. It happens all the time. You get a company, real solid company. It's run by a family and the, the mom and dad are just jamming. Everything's great. And all of a sudden the sons take over and it's like, woo! let's ride this thing all the way down and your whole career your whole savings everything goes into destruction because of the fools 
You've got to get up. If you're a fool, you've got to get up. The third thing is the mocker or the scoffer. And you're, if you're in here and you're a mocker or you're a scoffer, you're sitting there going, dude, when is this thing going to be over? I know. I don't need to hear that. I know all that. I've heard all that before. You know, that's the problem. You're narrow-minded. You're, you're dangerous to society because you're pawning off all your ideas on everyone else, making them all feel guilty, talking about the Bible, talking about that. You really do think I'm stupid. And you think anyone who believes this stuff is stupid. And again, part of it's not your fault. Maybe through power or through money or through position or whatever, you just think you're better than everybody else. And again, I'm not like, I can't even convince you. Because you know what the, you know what the, the way the scoffer gets out of his chair? You have to remove the chair. <laughs> it says drive the scoffer out of your midst. Get him out of here. Get her out of here. She's just going to mess everything up. She'll never change. As a matter of fact, if you go <clears throat> to that next verse there, it says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. <laughs> the, the, the scoffer comes into, and I've seen him. I've seen him come into church. And here's what it looks like sometimes. And again, if this is you, I apologize, but even apologizing isn't going to help. So, uh, but what'll happen is you'll have a wife or a husband who, you know, the wife or the husband comes to church all the time and they're just waiting for their husband or their wife to come with them, right? But they live with a scoffer. They live with a mocker. And so finally, a Mother's Day or Easter or whatever, the person comes and they sit there and they got their arms crossed and they're rolling their eyes or whatever, or they just sit there and they're texting or whatever. It doesn't matter. Right? And then I get to the end of the sermon, like I do at every service, and I go, hey, now we're going to take the offering. And they go, oh, yeah, it's all about money. It's always about money. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. If God's so great, why do you even have to ask for money? Why doesn't he make it appear right there on the stage? Why don't you have a big thing of gold bullion just pop up magically right next to you if your God's so good? Right? And, that's what, and they leave, and the person who has to go home with them has to suffer living with that person. Why? Because the scoffer is haughty and proud. And let me tell you something. I've sat in this chair. And you know where you see the scoffer sometimes? In church. <laughs> you see the mocker and the scoffer in church. They're the person that has their doctrine all down. They're the person who's been in the church for years. They know everything. We've done that before. We've done this. Right now, I praise God that from at least in my understanding, Living Spring has no mockers or scoffers. But we have a lot of people in this church, myself included, who are tempted to sit in this chair. And when you sit in this chair, you better get up as fast as is humanly possible. Because this chair has with it chains that will just wrap around you once pride takes a hold, once you know better than everybody else, it is very difficult to get out of this chair. But you know what's cool about the scoffer and the mocker? You actually do serve a purpose if you sit here. When you go down, and you will go down, ultimately, the naive goes, oh, that's what you're talking about. You become an example. As a matter of fact, go, go, yeah. When the scoffer is punished... The naive becomes wise. When you're all high and mighty and you don't need anything and religion's a crutch or whatever, and your whole life, because it will, goes all the way down the tubes, the naive goes, 
Oh, crud. I don't want any bit of that. Right? So in some respects, I, I, I thank God for the scoffer. Because at least the one that's got a chance, a fighting chance, can look if they have their eyes open and aren't just rolling them going, right? As long as they're not doing that, they can see the scoffer go down and go, oh man, I don't want to go down that path, right? Now listen, you go, man, this doesn't sound very forgiving. Isn't God forgiving? I mean, hello, grace, mercy, ever heard about it? It's also in the Bible, right? Here's the problem for the scoffer. Grace gets extended again and again and again and again, but the scoffer refuses it, hates it, doesn't want to hear it. So as the Lord with his divine mercy just keeps extending it, the scoffer goes, get out of my face. Grace gets extended again and again and again to the fool, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I know, just keep that coming, and then when I'm ready, I'll just go ahead and jump into it. Grace gets extended again and again for the naive, and naive goes, why do I need grace? What is the big deal? They're just clothes, or whatever the deal is. Right? Now, here's the thing. Why are you talking about this, John? It's kind of getting depressing for me. Okay? When I was um, about 15 years ago, I had everything, I had all my doctrine figured out, and I was sitting in this chair. As a matter of fact, my butt was formed to the chair, and it was quite comfortable. And uh, I praise God that it wasn't my utter destruction that caused me to get up out of the chair. The Lord ministered to me in a very mighty way. He had grace upon me. And for some unknown reason, all at once, within five minutes, I realized I was a Pharisee. I realized I didn't know what I was doing. See, because that's the thing about the scoffer. The scoffer is just as naive as the naive. He just won't admit it. She just won't admit it. And so the Lord rescued me from my chair. But here's the thing. We all have a tendency to go into one of these three chairs. And here's the danger. What the book of Proverbs and what the Bible explains is someday, someday, every one of you, me, all of us, are gonna need wisdom. And here's what the Bible says. If you're sitting in one of these chairs and you need wisdom and you've been sitting there too long, you will not be able to find it. It will be a mystery to you. That's why the Bible screams, get up out of your chair. And it's hard. It's hard to go into your life and go, am I a mocker in this area? Am I a fool in this area? Where am I naive? It's very difficult. You've got to hear the Spirit of God. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Solomon was writing this book to his sons, and I'm sure he struggled with, how do I get this across to his sons? Kind of like I struggle right now. How am I going to get this across to everybody? And so what Solomon does is he takes wisdom, and he describes wisdom as a woman. Not nagging, but a woman. Okay, that was a joke. All right, sorry. Note for second service. <laughs> Forget the nagging joke, right? He describes her as a woman. And this is, what ha this is a great analogy. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. But you'll kinda, even if you don't have your Bible here, you'll get, the, you'll get the idea. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. So here's wisdom's speech. You ready? 
She says, how long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in your mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, listen, I will tur- in turn, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock When calamity overtakes you, you say, man, that doesn't sound like God to me. It's not. It's wisdom. And we we do it ourselves. When you see that person and these people fall, the naive who, you know, is out late at night doing what naive people do, and all of a sudden they fall, we go, that was so obvious. Didn't they see didn't, they, didn't the foolish guy see that was going to be the end? Didn't the mocker with all his pride and pushing everyone away and keeping everyone off balance because he or she knows better, didn't they see they'd end up alone like that? And so wisdom mocks. God extends grace if in fact they would, they would reach out and get it. It goes on. It says, I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Why? Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. They will get exactly what they deserve. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, did you hear that? Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Doesn't that sound like regret-free living? Doesn't that sound like a life without regret? Doesn't that sound like getting up out of that chair and making, and making wise decisions. And if you look back over your life, don't, don't you realize, can't you look back and go, man, if I had just done this, imagine what the last 5, 10, 15 years would have looked like. 